everyone and welcome to Emerging Trends in Higher Ed. My name is Samantha Wilcox and I am your moderator for this podcast series. Joining us today is Dr. Grayson Kimball, Program Coordinator for the Sports Psychology Program in NCU's School of Social and Behavioral Sciences, Department of Psychology, and Leo Musso, former safety for the Wisconsin Badgers. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sam, and uh, thank you, Leo, for taking the time and joining us today. So let's maybe just kind of hop right in and have some questions for you and uh, curious to hear your story about uh, sport and relating it to uh, sports psychology. So uh, first question I have is, could you just tell us a little bit about your journey from high school to college football? What was the process like? What were some of the exciting aspects or what were some of the anxious moments that you had experienced? And what was one thing that happened during the recruiting process that was completely unexpected? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. So I'm glad I could uh, get on here and kind of discuss with you guys a little bit about my experience. But um, I was very fortunate. I went to a high school that was known in the state of Wisconsin for being a, a perennial powerhouse, if you will, in football. Um, my team ended up winning three state championships while I was in high school. So my sophomore year, junior year, and my senior year. And, um, obviously my role kind of changed from when I first started, um, to when I ended. And through that time, I played one position. I played running back. Um, you know, very fortunate to get to experience all that. Um, we play our state championship games at Camp Randall and I ended up going to the University of Wisconsin. Um, and playing there full time, so that was kind of my warm up, if you will, um, to that environment. And uh, it, it was great for me, um, you know, being so close to the university. Obviously, it was my dream school. It was, uh, uh, I guess, in regards to my recruiting process. Um, if I could use one sentence to describe how it was, it was kind of really my introduction to the business of college football. And I say that because. Um, at that time, I had three offers when when my recruiting process was all done at the end of the day. Northern Illinois, um, the University of Pittsburgh, and Wisconsin. But the thing about these offers is they ended up coming in about a week or two before signing day. So it was kind of super chaotic throughout the entire process, um, you know, to, to make matters even more convoluted. Um, a lot of the coaches were switching from Northern Illinois to, to go to Pittsburgh. Some were coming from Wisconsin, going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to Northern Illinois. So it was like the craziest thing uh, on top of getting these offers so late in the process. Um, and by that time, I had taken official visits to, to Northern Illinois. I've taken one to Wisconsin. And I was going to take one to um, the University of Pittsburgh. Um, but at that time, the University of Wisconsin kind of let me know that, you know, if I took that visit to Pittsburgh, then my offer might not be on the table when I got back from that visit. So that's kind of why, yeah, that's why I'm saying I was really introduced to the business of college football super early on. Sure. Yeah. And that, I mean, just, you know, kind of adding on top of how, how stressful the whole process was from the beginning. And, you know, I would have ended up going to Wisconsin anyways, most likely, but, um, you know, they kind of dealt my hand and 
I guess kind of the way that I worked through that process, it's really funny. Me and a uh, another football player that I played with, Jack Russell, he was a kicker. We were kind of both deciding between the University of Wisconsin and the University of Pittsburgh. Um, we both had offers to play at both places. And we went to my high school coach's house, and I'll never forget it. And we stayed there till probably like 12 a.m., because we were getting ready to get on a plane at 4 a.m. to go to Pittsburgh for our official visits. Um, and obviously with the new knowledge that I got that if I did get on that plane, I might not, ha- might not have an offer to the University of Wisconsin. So we're sitting in his basement and we're literally just pulling out whiteboards and, and weighing the pros and cons of each choice. And at the end of the day, um, you know, Wisconsin was, was the best fit uh, for me being a Wisconsin kid. Um, you know, it was my dream school and looking back on how my career turned out, I couldn't have pictured it any other way. You know, it's, it's interesting. It sounds as if the, um, uh, recruitment process, it's rather cutthroat. You know, if you, uh, turn your back on one school for half a second, you know, they're going to pull, pull the offer, which, uh, you know, I'm sure also happens at the professional level as well. Um, second question I have for you, uh, when you were in, in high school, and this is a little introductory just into your experiences with sports psychology, how often did you notice your high school coaches talking about the mental aspect of football? So for example, you know, topics such as confidence and focus and, and performance anxiety, how often were your coaches talking about those mental conditioning topics? You know, honestly, um, I don't think that the, the, I guess the topic of sports psychology and, and the way that we're thinking about it now was spoken directly to us as high school kids. Um, it was more indirectly, you know, through our workouts or, or through pregame speeches, um, you know, at practice, stuff like that is where I really remember um, our coaches kind of touching on the topic of sports psychology, if you will. Um, but there was no, there was no formal, um, you know, we sit down and, and discuss the whole um, realm of how we feel, you know, playing football and how we feel in, in different environments playing football. Maybe when we're lifting, maybe when we're working with other kids, it was kind of one of those things that we just, I guess, learned on the fly, if you will. Um, and, and being in a small town where we played with each other for, you know, since fourth grade is when we first started playing. So we kind of, you know, got a feel for who each other were, um, which kind of helped in that, in that realm. We really didn't need to discuss stuff too in depth. We just kind of knew, you know, whereas college, it was completely different. You go into a locker room with guys from all different backgrounds all over the United States um, you know, different high school experiences, different home life experiences. Um, so I think that was definitely a time that we started introducing a more formal version of, of sports psychology in that. Sure. So it sounds then like your high school coaches would make mention in terms of, oh, you guys have to be confident or stay focused, etc. But there was no emphasis placed on the actual practice of mental conditioning skills. Um, and that kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, what resources were available to you and the team uh, at Wisconsin in terms of the mental side of, of the sport? 
we do have a, uh, a full-time sports psychologist that's on the staff, um, you know, that I know several of my former teammates did utilize. Um, I think between the, you're just spending so many, so much time with, with coaches and, um, you know, between strength staff, the, the athletic administration, um, everybody's college educated. And I think everybody kind of understands how stressful that period of life being a student athlete at a major college football program can be. Um, and obviously they've seen how other people have done it and, and what they have, you know, going through that experience, helping them through that experience was something that a lot of the guys could utilize in, in a, I guess in a one size fits all manner, you kind of get that from, uh, from your coaches and all the, uh, the athletic administration. Sure. So did you ever work, you know, one-on-one with the mental performance coach or, or did you just kind of align with the actual coaches and just kind of picked up on what they were talking about? Yeah. So I just usually, um, spoke with the coaches. Um, and I guess a, a sports psychologist, you know, now that I think about it, there's another person that they bring in to do, to practice like mindfulness and, and meditation, which is an, I guess another form of, um, sports psychology, if you will. But yeah, it was mainly for me, um, just relying on my, my teammates. Um, you know, we're all going through this super stressful time together and, and kind of, um, that's, you know, that's a, that's the interesting thing with football is especially college football they harp on mental toughness all the time. So people typically hide their feelings and, and, you know, being with my roommates, I was roommates with TJ Renard. I was roommates with Arthur Goldberg, um, Vince Beagle, who's playing for the Miami dolphins and his younger brother, Hayden Beagle. And, and kind of going through the exact same experience, we were able to, to have these in-depth conversations with another, with one another. And those were very therapeutic, you know, cause this, the same feelings that I was having, they were having. And we could relate through that. And that's just kind of what the whole team environment was, really. Because we all go, a lot of us share the same classes. You know, all of us have the exact same schedule. And we do that for five years. So we become very close. And we kind of act as as that, you know, therapist for each other, in a sense. Um, now, let me ask you this. As you're kind of going into, I guess, maybe your junior year, senior year, um, when did you start to realize that you may have an opportunity to play professional football? Um, honestly, I didn't realize it until my, my final season. Um, so I was kind of a, a role player, special teams player. Um, I got the occasional start throughout my first three seasons that I played, um, but nothing where I had a solidified role. So when it finally got to be my time, um, you know, during my senior year, I really wanted to focus all of my energy in, in having a great senior year. You know, I didn't want to look back on my career and have any regrets. So that's what, where I really put my focus and, and, you know, hope I was hoping subconsciously, you know, while I was going through it, that my performance on the field, me putting all that focus on the field would lead to something afterwards. Um, and, you know, kind of looking at the body of work and, and, playing with some of the guys, you know, that's one of the things we're so fortunate at the university of Wisconsin. Um, we played with some of the best, uh, people in the NFL right now. And we played against some of the best people in the NFL right now. Um, so I kind of started figuring that out once I, once I had a, a pretty decent senior year and, um, kind of took it from there. Now, did you end up going to the NFL combines or how did you go about getting drafted? And because you ended up playing for the New Orleans Saints, is that correct? So I, I ended up doing a uh, rookie minicamp 
with the New Orleans Saints, and I went and did the same with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so nothing where I was I was playing in the preseason. I, I didn't play a snap of, of NFL football, but I went through the whole process like I was preparing to. Okay, and, and how did that come about for someone who doesn't necessarily go to the NFL Combine? How do you end up at the rookie camps? I guess what the typical process is, immediately after you're done with your bowl games, people are flying out to different training facilities all over. Um, High-name guys like T.J. Watt or or Vince Beagle, Corey Clement, they're leaving the University of Wisconsin, and they're going to L.A. Um, They're going to San Diego. They're going to Miami. They're going to, you know, all over um, wherever their agents send them. But for a guy like me who was super under the radar, undersized, um, you know, I had had four good seasons with my my final season being my really good season. I decided to stay and train at the University of Wisconsin uh, with our strength staff. Um, and that's kind of another you know, reason we're super fortunate at the University of Wisconsin. Um, our, strength, our head strength and conditioning coach, he was a, a seven or eight year NFL vet. So he kind of went through that entire experience. And obviously he's a, a licensed strength and conditioning coach. Um, so he, he kind of helped us through that process. Um, we do a pro day, which is the, you know, what you see at the NFL combine. Um, but it's just at your university. So kind of all of the undername guys, um, some guys from smaller schools will come and perform and they'll have NFL scouts from all 32 teams that come and watch. Um, and, uh, I guess from that point, it, turns into to conversations after you get done performing at your pro day. It turns into conversations with your agent. Um, if you don't get drafted, like what my situation was, I did not get drafted. So I had to, to sit down with my agent. We kind of um, hashed out some places where we thought I could really have a, a great opportunity um, to make the roster. And I went and did the, you know, the rookie mini camp um, with the New Orleans Saints and then obviously the Seattle Seahawks too. And, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely an interesting experience. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, uh, another question for you, and 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 I want to preface this by saying, again, I've been working in the sports psych field for about 20 years, and and, and I can say that it's not for everyone. You know, um, some athletes and some pro players, you know, that that I've spoken with, they swear by it. Where other, you know, professional players, they just don't really find use for it. You know, then on the flip side, you know, I've spoken to, you know, a handful of, of retired professional players that would say, oh, you know, if I had somebody like you back when I was playing, you know, maybe my career could could have been different. You know, maybe it could have been better. I could have lasted longer. Who knows? So now that you kind of look back on your career as a football player, has your perception changed over the years on the importance of mental training? Um, obviously, you know, you were a standout high school player, obviously a major division one college player, um, you know, uh, had the opportunity you know, to try out for some professional team. So you've made it to an extremely high level. When you look back on it, uh, you know, as your perception of the inclusion or importance of mental training, has that changed at all now that you reflect back? Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. There's definitely stuff that, you know, now that I've, I'm kind of away from that experience, what going three going on four years now, um, you just kind of look back and, and see 
how crazy and how stressful that time period was. And, and it, you know, if you go and look at the, the numbers, a lot of people don't end up making it through um, the, the, the college experience. So I definitely realized that, you know, and again, it kind of like I mentioned earlier, it's that whole persona around football, right? That, that mental toughness, that hide your feelings. If you're hurt, hide it, you know, cause you might not, you might lose your spot. Um, if you're drowsy, you can't show it because you got to show up for workouts. And that's kind of, um, one of the things that, that motivates you to hide those feelings when people should be sharing that. And especially afterwards, um, you know, I think it, it would be more beneficial being right out of, um, playing football because a, a lot of times what happens is football ends when, you know, football wants it to end. It's not when the guy wants it to end. Um, you know, so it's, it's very difficult from that aspect. Um, because, you know, at that time and, and granted just from hearing my former teammates speak, um, but I, I can really only speak for myself that it's like you motivate your, you dedicate your entire life to this sport. Everything that you do, every choice that you make is for football, you know? So once you realize that, you know, you love football to death, but it doesn't love you back. And you see that once you're finished, um, it's, it's pretty difficult to take. And, uh, you know, again, it's just one of those things where, um, that's, that's kind of the environment that football built up that mental toughness. And I'm glad that, um, you know, as I'm getting away, I'm starting to hear some of my friends open up about it. And, you know, I think it would be super beneficial for former, you know, athletes to, to speak with a sports psychologist for sure. Uh, and that actually kind of ties into my final question. You know, a, a really big issue that we've seen over the years in, in sports psych is, uh, is when athletes have to transition out of sport. And for some, it's, you know, they're after their senior year of high school, their, you know, competitive career is essentially done. For others, you know, once they graduate college, their career is done. And of course, the professionals, you know, in football, what's the average career length? About three and a half years. Um, you know, and so before you know it, at the age of 24, 25, you're done. And, and as you said earlier, you know, you dedicate your entire life to football and then almost at the snap of a finger, it's done. And, and in many cases, the athletes haven't really taken the time to think about what their next step is going to be. And so and, and, and in, in those cases, they can have a very difficult time transitioning from sport, you know, into quote, regular life. So what was your biggest challenge uh, that you faced when you essentially, you know, quote, retired from playing football? Uh, were you ready for that transition? And, and what are you uh, currently doing now? So I think, you know, I kind of had a, a bitter breakup with, with football. Um, at that time, I was just kind of like, you know what, if, if, they don't see the value in me, then someone else will get, get the benefit of me working extremely hard. And, and that was me being naive and bitter. And, um, but you know, I, I don't know if there was a, a, I guess that specific aha moment, just looking back on, on experiences, um, especially in college, you have everything pretty much done for you. That's not football. Um, you picking your, classes you sit down with the advisor and they essentially pick them all out for you you get told when to eat you get so you just get handed a schedule and you follow that schedule 
a lot of guys don't learn to think for themselves. So I think that was probably my biggest challenge. Um, you know, being, being a creature of habit of everything, my entire life has been, okay, I know I need to be at weightlifting at 5.30 in the morning. I know I have a meet, meetings um, at 8.30 after that. I know I have practice from such and such to, you know, it's such a regimented game, um, especially at the college level, that as soon as you get finished up with that, it's kind of like, okay, well, where do I go from here? So I guess that was probably the biggest challenge for me was trying to figure out how to navigate life um, without that, you know, without people basically doing all the hard thinking for me um, and just showing up where I need to be because that's what it says on my schedule, you know? So I, I had to find ways to work that the, the, the physical aspects, you know, working out and eating healthy and doing all that stuff. That's all stuff that I had to learn how to do as crazy as it sounds. Um, but yeah, that was probably the, the most difficult aspect of trans transitioning from being a, a football player to, to normal life. Yep. And, and, and lastly, um, and w w what are you doing now? Uh, I am currently, um, finishing my, uh, master's degree in educational leadership and policy analysis. And, um, the emphasis of this will be intercollegiate athletic administration. And hopefully once I get finished up with this, uh, I will be starting law school in the fall of 2021. Great, great. Fantastic. Well, Leo, again, I want to thank you for taking the time. This was very insightful and uh, good luck with your uh, educational and professional pursuits. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you both for your time today and Leo for sharing your experience. In the coming weeks, we will be exploring additional topics with the NCU community. Be sure to check back for new episodes. And on behalf of Dr. Grayson Kimbo and Leo Musso, this is Samantha Wilcox reminding you that at NCU, you have what it takes to change the world. We offer what it takes to make it happen. Until next time, goodbye.